Welcome everyone to Microgreens for growers and consumers. This is season one, episode 12. And today, instead of continuing to go into each and each microgreen and other nutritional benefits, we are going to deal with some frequently asked questions. We've been receiving questions from you guys, our listeners, about wanting to ask some questions. So today we are going to ask those questions, get you some answers. And in addition, I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but go to vitalityfarmscompany.com. In the store, you will find crop cheat sheets. They're 20 bucks. It's every microgreen that I'm aware that you can grow. Cheat sheets as to how you'd grow them, um, germination rates, seeding rates, dark outdates, grow lights, any special notes. I put it all there for you guys, so I hope you can benefit from it. But today we're just going to jump right into our questions, and we have a lovely listener who's going to ask these questions for us. What are the easiest microgreens to grow? Well, the easiest microgreens to grow are usually from the brassica family. These are like broccoli, cauliflower, and the cabbages. The mustards are also easy to grow. But honestly, we find chia is the absolute easiest to grow. What are the hardest microgreens to grow? Mm, the hardest microgreens. Amaranth can be difficult, as can beets. Some of the challenges microgreens are really what makes growing microgreens a fun hobby. Experimenting with different growing techniques and variables can be very fulfilling. I can't figure out the difference. When do I use soil versus hydroponics? You can always grow any microgreen in soil. Some crops like sunflower, buckwheat, bees, peas, cilantro, and beets are very challenging to grow hydroponically or with felt mats. So we usually use soil for those crops. We prefer to grow hydroponically or on mats when possible because it's easy, clean, and even a bit effective as soil for most microgreen seeds can be expensive. Yeah, that was a tough one. It was. Another important question. How important are growing lights? Well, you know, they're actually not critical. Your crops do need to be exposed to light at the right time. Incandescent, fluorescent, and direct sunlight are actually all fine. We do use grow lights, and we prefer LED lights, as they're lights that consume vastly less electricity, produce very little heat, and only give plants the blue and red ends of the spectrum, which is what plants absorb. We can't get greener and more healthy plants, even with direct sunlight. Why are LED grow lights the best choice for microgreens, though? Well, LED grow lights are the best choice, not only for microgreens, but any type of plants for several reasons. They emit no heat and consume much less electricity than traditional grow lights. Most grow lights, like T5 and fluorescent lights, emit white light, which is much less efficient for growing plants. Plants reflect lights in the yellow and green part of the spectrum and want to absorb the red and blue ends of the spectrum. 
LED lights are turned to emit exactly the portions of the light spectrum the plants want. Our LED lights are suitable for all stages of a plant's growth. Why am I getting sections of rot in my crops? I don't understand. Oh, well, crop rot is caused usually by several things. The most likely is watering with water that is too alkaline. You need to definitely watch the pH in your water because pH in the water is very important. Typically, um, we don't we don't treat our water, but we have tested the pH in our water to make sure that it would be suitable for our plants. And you can always grab a pH balancing kit to help adjust your water to the desired pH. Rot in a crop can also be caused by sowing seeds too thick or overwatering. I think it's probably overwatering for me. Uh-huh. I overwater a lot. Well, you got to watch your water. Which seeds do I pre-soak? You want to pre-soak your sunflower, buckwheat, beets, cilantro, peas, and quite a few others. Um, they all need to be pre-soaked in cold water. Each should be soaked for about six to eight hours. Um, I believe we do peas for 12. Um, again, all that information, though, is in those cheat sheets. But um, beets, we only pre-soak for about an hour or two. You do want to watch your pre-soak time. You can drown the seed. My crops are wilting. What am I doing wrong? Oh, well, if your crops are wilting, then it's usually caused by either underwatering or excessive heat. Another question I have is, uh, my crops are going pale. What am I doing wrong here? Well, if your crops are pale... They're not getting enough light. Try direct sunlight by a window or outdoors. Your crop may angle for light, so be sure to rotate periodically. That's why we use the LED grow lights as our solution, because the lights hang above our trays and they get plenty of light just as they need it. Can we find LED grow lights on your website? They're not available on my website, but I bought them on Amazon. I could probably find a link and throw it somewhere if you need it. My crops are getting burned or dry sectioned on the leaves. What am I doing wrong? Well, if you're getting burnt, as you know, they're plants. They can be burnt. We don't use black trays exclusively for that reason. When we have our microgreens in a black tray and we take it to the farmer's market, we face the sun. Our crops are done by the end of the day. If we don't sell them, they're toast. So... They're getting too much light or getting light too early. So you want to just watch it. We use um, trays. I'll put a link in here also for Bootstrap Farmer. They are the trays that we use. They are pretty colors. Uh, We use 5x5 grow containers. I keep going into my groom and smelling a weird musty odor. What does that mean? Well, I would tell you to take a shower, but I'm hoping that you've done that. That usually occurs after the grow pad is past 10 days. We usually don't get ordered before 10 days. So most crops are ideally harvested at 10 days. So this shouldn't be a problem. If you're doing long-term crops, um, usually those ones, any of your slow crops, usually I grow in soil because I can add nutrients. Because if I have a crop that needs to grow for 30 days, 
then I want to make sure it's getting all the nutrients so that it's at its best consumption rate. My crops are growing very slowly. Man, you're having tons of trouble over there, aren't you? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> They're just probably too cold. Try putting them in a warmer place. If you have the trays on a granite countertype, they may struggle. Try placing them on a towel to insulate from the cold of the countertop. You can also try placing them in a warmer location. We actually use heat pads for some of our crop, uh, basil specifically. Do most microgreens regrow after cutting? Oh, the do they grow? Can I just keep, can I buy your microgreens and just have them forever? No, most microgreens do not regrow. But why people think that? If there's one healthy leaf left, the microgreen will have a good chance to survive and regrow. That's because the seedlings will still be able to continue doing photosynthesis with light. However, the growth rate is going to be much slower than before and often resulting in stunted growth. You might also be mistaken the late sprouted seeds as the regrown microgreens. For instance, if you overseeded the tray, you will have a lot of late germination, which is also one of the reasons why your microgreens may be falling over. In addition to that, the second harvest microgreens will have a slightly different taste. That's why we and other commercial growers do not um, encourage anyone to have the, the second harvest. What we typically do, um, however, is you have to know pea microgreens, they do regrow. For example, green peas, speckled peas, snap peas, snow peas, fava beans, and field peas. But their regrowth rate is very insignificant. But what we do do is we tell our customers that if they buy the pea shoots and they harvest them down, they eat, they eat them, if they leave them in a windowsill, in about a week they'll actually have peas back on there. And a lot of our customers just like the way it looks. So I get several pictures all the time of pea micros in windows. What you really should do instead is for most growers, if they don't sell them, they dispose of the harvested remains into a compost heap or they come up with uh, feeding uh, animals. But what we do is we actually harvest our pea shoots and anything else and we turn them into a seasoning. So we actually make several microgreen seasonings and that's what we do with ours. Thanks for clearing that up for me. I was pretty <laughs> confused on that one. Well, most people are because if you're watching your peas, I mean, they're going to grow back on the tray. So you think, well, this vegetable is going to keep regrowing. Yeah, that's what everybody tend to give off the image of. That's true. Another question. Um, Why do we cover the microgreen seeds in the dark? Oh, when you put them in the blackout period... It's essential to ensure that microgreens are grown into long and beautiful seedlings. When they go into the dark, the microgreens have no choice but to stretch out actively looking for light. So the end result is you'll have a longer, slimmer, and more tender microgreen. But the starch content in seed endosperm is limited, which means the microgreens will fall over once the energy is used up. Which means you don't want to leave them in the dark too long. That being said, some microgreens are short by nature and do not grow tall. 
thyme and oregano need more time to stretch in the dark. They usually sit in the blackout for five to eight days. So that's why most growers will keep the blackout phase in three to five days, but no longer. My crop cheat sheets will also list that up for you based on the crop. At that point, your microgreen should be looking pale and yellowish. So then you expose them to the light. Then the photosynthesis starts to take place and your microgreens become thicker, healthy. Uh, They turn green very quickly after meeting lights. The only one we do not expose to light is corn because as more glucose is being produced, the shoots become thicker. Also, keep in mind, your provided environment, your seed quality will affect your growth rate as well. Even with my crop sheet, cheat sheet, there's only so much I can account for. We grow in a room that has an air conditioner, a humidity, humidity controller, and it's a sealed room. That's how we grow our microgreens. So I can control all of the environment for the most part. But in reality, I can't because there's air in that room. And the air is going to have more salt if I'm closer to the ocean, different things. So you want to consider that the funnest part about growing microgreens is getting to play with the trays and trying things out. When do we water microgreens? Well, microgreens are grown thickly in a small area. So the water capacity is so crucial for them to survive. So normally you need to water your microgreens tray I recommend twice a day to keep them moist. But again, it's going to depend on your local weather pattern, humidity, temperature, and your soil mixture as well, or if you're using a felt. The rule of thumb, a good soil mix will drain water quickly to prevent soggy environments, but retain enough for the microgreens. Usually, a lot of growers mix their soil with 20% perlite to lighten the soil. That allows more air to get into the roots and helps them retain water. Inspect the upper and lower soil to make sure it's wet but not soggy. A lot of times, I usually bottom water all my trays. With that, you just need to add water to them daily and lift the tray up to check. Soil should be moist but not flooded. Some microgreens draw more water as well. Some microgreens need more water naturally, such as sunflower and pea, while the others are not, such as cress and broccoli. As the micros grow bigger, they need more water too. Thank you. And um, I have a question. So most of these topics that we covered over today, they'll be in your cheat sheets on your website? Um, I haven't made it for these questions in my cheat sheets. I had been working on my cheat sheets for... A long time um, and it was just for my growing notes every time I would plant a tray I would mm-hmm. take notes um, but for the most part most of this is kind of covered um, it goes into which ones have a problem with odors which ones are subject to mold when you would need to add a peroxide mix um, all that's in the cheat sheets mm-hmm. uh, I'll definitely take them out all right well and thank you very much thank you for asking your questions and if you guys have any more questions shoot us an email at info at vitalityfarmscompany.com and we'll answer your questions next time have a great day